Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Well, thanks everybody for coming today. Javen and I started talking about this uh, a couple months ago, and, and he asked me to come in and, and share a little bit with you guys about some different things that I've observed and I've learned, as many things in life you learn based on not necessarily doing it right the first time, and we keep going. So anyway, let's start, and we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dig into this and go from there. God, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in a country that allows us to, to assemble. Uh, I thank you for all of the people here and anyone listening. Um, help us all to hear your voice better. We need to hear you. Our whole world needs to hear you and hear from you. So please help us and guide us as we go through uh, this today. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the series is How to Hear God in the Midst of, and then, you know, an ellipse, three different dots. And we all need to hear from God. The Bible is an absolutely amazing book, but it gives more general revelation. It doesn't necessarily give specific revelation. So what do I need to do today? Who do I need to speak to today? Um, some small, smaller things, but also on larger topics, right? So uh, what job should I take? Where should I move? What church should I go to? Things of that nature. Uh, so some of the questions that I want to answer over the next few weeks based on, on what I've seen and observed uh, and what I see in the Bible is, number one, do we need to hear from God? Uh, this question comes up for me with different people that I talk to often. Do I actually have to hear from God or is everything I need in the Bible? Uh, and why? So we'll talk about some of that. Does God want to speak to us? I run into Christians who believe that God doesn't really even want to speak to us anymore, that he's done everything he's going to do. He sent his son. He's provided grace for us, but then it's on us at that point to understand that. And I don't, I don't think that's accurate. Will God talk to us? I think that's something else we want, to, we want to dig into. And then I also run into Christians who think that God's really only concerned with the really big things. So once you've gotten married, if you decide to get married, once you've gotten a job, you're kind of on your own again. And I don't necessarily think that that's exactly the case either. And then finally, we're going to wrap up with how do I hear from God? I, I hear from people all the time, whether young or old, that God just doesn't speak to them, um, that they feel there's some problem with them about this. And so I want to talk about some of the things that I've observed in these areas and, and seen some change, certainly in my own life. And I'll share some experiences that I've had too. Diving in here just a little bit, just so you know, I'm a teacher by trade, so I like to ask questions and get a little interaction with the group, and I walk around, and I do all this kind of stuff. So if you, if you respond a little faster, then everybody will be happier, but you certainly don't have to. Uh, so the first question is, is what, what types of things do we need to hear from God for? Again, the Bible gives us very good general revelation, but it doesn't always give us specific revelation, meaning what, do, what, do, what does Ray need to do today? So what all do you guys want to hear from God about? What, what types of things... Are you thinking of that, gee, I need to hear from God about X? What is it? Um, I would say everything, but I guess specifically, like, what's next? Yeah, God, what do you want me to do next? Maybe it's a different job. Maybe it's a different whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else? Direction. Yeah, direction for what? Ministry. Yeah. Help, help people. What do you want me to do for somebody, for anybody? I'm willing to listen to Yeah. God speak to me, right? We, we want to speak. Um, I think Smith Wigglesworth was a great evangelist, and one of the things that he said that stuck with me over the years is he had said, God is more willing to speak than we are to listen. 
So I think a lot of times it's on us that we're not necessarily paying as much attention as we would like, and we'll, we'll get into that. So one of the things I want to do, um, part of what I teach is history, so I'm going to go back into the Old Testament a little bit, and we'll look at how God has spoken to man uh, over the course of time. So if we go back into the Old Testament, the average person, the average Israelite, did not hear from God. That's not the way he set it up. The way he set it up is they had a king, or they had a priest, and at some points in time they had a judge. So we can think of those stories to kind of find out how that happens. The priest, high priest in particular, would hear from God, and he would have to go in and atone for everyone's sins once a year, and we'll look at some of that. But he, he had to be very righteous, he had to be very clean, or they could cause some problems for him. One of the things we would see is he would go into the Holy of Holies and there's a large veil there. I don't know if you've ever done any study on the temple and what the temple looks like, but there was a large veil that separated one chamber from the Holy of Holies. And once a year, he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would atone for the sin. And there was this large veil there. Now, a couple of the other things that they would do for the high priest, they would put bells on his robe. Do you know why they put bells on the priest, high priest's robe? So if they couldn't hear the bells anymore, they would do that and they would tie a rope around his ankle. So if for some reason he didn't have his life cleaned up, the presence of God would put him down and they'd have to drag him out because nobody else would want to go in that room, right? So absolutely, thank you, that's awesome. It's awesome you knew that. It wasn't so awesome for the high priest. I mean, can you imagine the pressure on you and the job that you know today might really be your last day on the job forever because it just didn't go well. And can you imagine being the next guy, right? So last year's priest dies and now it's your job to go in and, you know, you want to make sure you read the whole book and you understood all the rules because that could get a little a little bit crazy. Let's look at some other people who we see hearing from God in the Old Testament. And there's tons of examples. I'm not going to use them all because, well, we'd be here for a really long time. Uh, Samuel, if you remember the story of Samuel, he's a little boy. His mom had prayed for a son and God finally gave her a son. And so Samuel goes and he's working with the priest and he literally hears God talking to him. And finally, if you remember the story, uh, the priest Eli says, just say, God, I'm listening the next time God speaks to you. And he does, and, and, and we know where that goes. But Samuel becomes a great prophet. Yes, so we have prophets who can hear from them. Uh, another prophet that we see uh, about that time is, if you remember, the prophet Nathan. Uh, the prophet Nathan was an interesting gentleman, and he had a really rough job. Uh, David found himself in kind of an ugly situation. David had committed some sin and done some things that weren't so great. And God called the prophet Nathan to come speak to him, to call him out and say, hey, look, you're sinning, you're screwing up, you've got to quit. So that could have gone really badly for him, but David had a kind heart and understood God was speaking to him. Uh, and then the, less, the last group we see is we see the king. The king could always hear from God. But the takeaway from that is that we just did not have the advantage as individuals to hear from God. And I think that's, well, it's fortunate for us and unfortunate for them. That's a difficult situation. So Jesus changes all of that. When Jesus comes, one of the things that gets overlooked, I think, in the story of the crucifixion is what happened at the moment he died. There's a little verse in there that talks about the fact that the veil that we talked about that separated the Holy of Holies was ripped in half, not from the bottom up, but from the top down. So God is saying, now you can enter my presence. You don't have to be perfect. You are now righteous once you accept me, so you can enter my presence, and you don't have to be that perfect priest. And I'm pretty glad that I don't have the risk of dying when I walk into church anymore. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty happy about that, because that, that could get a little ugly. Can you imagine if that was your church? You know, put that on the billboard, right? You know, hey, only four people died this week. Um, no, I'm kidding. So, sorry, the other thing you have to know about me is I have a very dry sense of humor. 
uh, and I'm afraid it, it comes out from time to time. So that's what you have to deal with. So there's many more examples that we could look at in the Old Testament. But Jesus opens the door. So now we can hear from God. So the question is, how does God speak to us, right? If we go back, there's other examples. We could use the burning bush if we remember the story of Moses. I don't know about you, but if I was walking out in my lawn and all of a sudden a bush started talking to me, I might wonder if everything was okay up here anymore. I might wonder if I have some problems. Uh, God doesn't have to do that anymore. And, and Moses wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a king, but we, we certainly see that example. So how does God speak to us today? Well, I think it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So if we look at what Jesus is saying, especially before he goes back to heaven, uh, in Matthew 27, he says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud agonized voice. He gave up his spirit voluntarily. And this is where we see the veil of the, uh, the Holy of Holies torn in two. But then later in John, he talks about that when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but he'll speak whatever he hears from the Father, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. So here we see, by Jesus' own admission, before he goes back to heaven, the Holy Spirit is coming so that he can speak to us. Now, does he speak in an audible voice? He could, but I don't think he has to because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. In the Old Testament, the reason we see God speaking audibly is because the Holy Spirit's not at work in the lives of man. So I think that's an important thing to understand because I, a lot of Christians I talk to don't realize that God's right in here and God's right in here talking to you and sharing with you what he wants you to do more specifically. In Romans 8, we see that for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God or daughters of God. So as we are being led, we're led because we're, we're part of his family. And I think that's important. I think it's exciting. Uh, also in John, he talks about the Holy Spirit being a helper who the Father will send in my name and he'll teach you all things. Well, all is a pretty wide and encompassing word. And if you go back and you look at the original Greek, do you know what it means? All. Everything. Everything's included. Sometimes we like to make it more deep than it is, but it's not. So then we can confidently come to God and say, okay, I need help with this. And I don't believe that anything's too small. I think if you're concerned about what to have for lunch today, you can ask God and I think he'll talk to you. I'm not saying that the napkin on the table will burn up and that's how he's going to communicate to you because I don't think that's necessarily going to happen, but I think he will, I think he will share with us. Okay, a couple of more scriptures because I like to put this in here. Uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Galatians tells us that because we are the sons of God, he has sent the spirit of the son into our own hearts crying, Abba, Father. You guys know what Abba means? Abba means daddy. So it's that picture like we see right there of the child up in their father's lap. And that's the level of intimacy he wants to have with us. So then the question becomes, how do we get there? What are the things that we need to do to move us along in that area? I want to take a look at a few different scriptures that might give us some insight into the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how he might work with us. So again, digging into John 16, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, and, and this is the amplified, so it talks about it being a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you and he will be in close fellowship with you. So that's John 16, seven. The next few verses talk about the fact that the ministry of the Holy Spirit, part of what he does for us is he convicts us of our righteousness. He's there to remind you that once you are saved, you are righteous. And that's something that I've taken many years and I'm still working on unlearning some of the things that I've been taught in that area. 
But if we go to chapter to verse 13, I'm going to skip ahead. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth, which we talked about before. He will not speak of his own initiative, but he will also glorify and honor me. And he will take from what is mine and he will disclose it to you. So what can we take away from that? I think that the Holy Spirit's right there to talk to you all the time. So then the question is, is if God is willing to talk, if he's willing to use the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then what's our part? Yeah, we need to listen, but I think we also need to ask. I think some Christians are afraid to ask God for things or to ask God for wisdom. And I think it's clear in the Bible, he's more than willing to deal with us. Let's jump over to Romans and take a look at what Paul said. Chapter eight, verse nine, he said, you're not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. In fact, the spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He goes on later in the chapter in verse 14 to say, for all who are following themselves to be led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, which we, we mentioned before. So if God is more willing to speak, if hopefully these scriptures have, have, have made it clear that we made the case that he's willing and he's able and he's interested in speaking to you, then how can we move on? How can we listen to him and, and what does he care about that we are doing? Let me take a minute and share a little bit from my experience of life here to see or to show hopefully what God has done. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I really wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, that was what I thought I was put on this earth to do. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home from the time I was about four is when I got saved and I went to private schools, Christian schools. So I was in an environment where one would hope that you would hear from God. Uh, however, none of this was really ever taught where I went to church or not much of it was. So um, like a brilliant 17 or 18 year old <clears throat> or not, um, I just decided I'm going full bore down the direction that I want to. And I really wanted to be a lawyer for one main purpose. Anybody know what that might have been? Make money, yeah. There was really nothing spiritual about it at all. I was in it for the money, which is not generally a good idea, but you know, um, as many of you have experienced at 17 and 18, you may not know anything where near what you, you think you know. As we get older, we realize how little we know and how, how smart our parents were uh, in general, but uh, you know, not at 17. I um, decided it was one college I was gonna go to, Hillsdale College. I was accepted, I was all ready to go, and it turned out to be really expensive and I didn't have much money. So I was really disappointed about that, so I ended up going to another public university. What I look back now on is I can see God is leading me and directing me, and I hadn't even asked. So sometimes when I sit down with folks of any age and we talk about this, they're concerned that I've gotten to X point in my life and I haven't, I haven't done what I think God's called me to do, but I don't think that that's a problem because God is gracious and he is kind. I'll probably say this two or three times during this series, you can't screw it up so bad that God can't redeem it. I mean, can you ever really imagine a scenario where God's sitting on the throne, he leans over to Jesus and he says, I didn't see this coming, did you? <laughs> They've screwed this up so bad, now what are we gonna do? So uh, I'll probably talk a little bit about it later, but this whole idea of a perfect will and a perfect plan for your life, God knew everything you were gonna do ahead of time before you did it. So he knows the beginning from the end, absolutely. So uh, the first thing I guess I'm here to tell you is don't sweat it, you know? I mean, I've screwed up more times than I'd care to even think about or count, but God still has not done with me. God's still not done with any of us. He is still working, and I think that's important to understand. 
one of the things he did during my undergraduate time was he I was taking some history classes, which is what I do now. I truly enjoy teaching history. One of my professors invited me as a sophomore in undergrad to take a graduate school course, uh, which doesn't happen often, I realize now at the time, you know, brain's not all the way in or whatever you want to say. But I got the opportunity to sit down with him, eight classmates, and another guy finishing his PhD in col American colonial history, which is something I enjoy reading about. And so for eight weeks, we just got to sit and listen to these two guys talk and answer questions. That was an amazing opportunity. At the time, do I realize it? I don't. But God's gracious and kind, and he starts pointing you in some of these directions. But even if you're not paying attention, he is. He's still guiding. He's still directing. And I think that's important to remember. As I go forward, uh, my parents decided to move back. I left with them. I didn't really take time to pray and think, should I stay? Should I go? What should I do? But God is still gracious and kind. He moves me forward just a little bit. Uh, I changed my degree from history to business because I wanted to be a lawyer. I'm not paying attention. I'm not going to go through all of this history, but I want to get to one more point just to kind of give you some ideas, and then I'll jump to a little bit different area. There's this point, I'm finishing my bachelor's degree, I've moved back with my parents into another state, and the younger people in the room won't remember this, but you guys remember all the catalogs we used to get in the mail, and you actually had to call them up, and you actually had to order it, and they shipped it to you, and it didn't show up in a day and a half, and all of that stuff. So, you know, the olden days, uh, where it took like a week and a half to get there. So, I'm sitting in this job, I'm finishing up my degree, and I'm answering customer service calls. So, I'm taking calls from people who just are mad for one reason or another. And I'm sitting there, we're expanding for the holidays because, you know, when Christmas comes on, you got to add like three times as many people so you can answer all the calls. And I'm sitting next to this guy and you get to know the person next to you because you're in Cubeville. <laughs> and he just graduated from one of the top law schools in the city I was in. He finished in the top 10%, top 10 or 20% of his class. This is uh, 25 years ago. He's got a $600 a month student loan payment and he's working next to me. And we're making eight bucks an hour, so you can do the math quick to know how many hours he's got to work just to pay a student loan payment. And he's, you know, he wasn't the best, but he certainly wasn't the worst. And I can still remember to this day, God saying to me, if you go to law school, that'll be you. <laughs> well, I may not have been paying a lot of attention, but that one drove it home for me, you know? And, and it was just subtle. It wasn't, it wasn't a burning bush moment for me, but I can still remember him saying that. Now, why do I tell you this part of the story? I wasn't paying a lot of attention to God at this point in my life. Sure, I prayed. Sure, I went to church. I did those things, but there wasn't this audible voice. There wasn't this intimacy that I think we all want. I think we want to get to that point so that we can have this ongoing conversation, like we'd sit down with a friend and say, hey, what do you think about this? So I think this is where we want to go. I think this is how we want to do it. And I'm going to share a couple of more things, and then I'll wrap it up. And being a teacher, of course, I'll ask if anybody has questions, because I just have to. And then, of course, I'm going to give you a little homework, but it's not hard homework. <laughs> so the other thing I want to ask to mention is, or one of the questions I want to answer, I guess, is, is God only concerned about the big things in our life? I mean, is God really not concerned with lunch? Do you think about that? What do you, I mean, what do you guys think? What's been your experience? I mean, can we only really ask him if it's like, should I buy this car? Should I move here? Should I visit this person? What should I do? What, what do you think? I think he does. Good. Anybody else? And you can disagree too. Oh, that's fine. I think, I think that we should follow the Lord anything we have in our life. Forever. Infinity with him. Everything. Well, good. You guys are a lot smarter than I was, so I appreciate that. That's, that's an, an, an am today. That's awesome. I mean, that's what I, what I always believe. Uh, yeah. At the beginning, I struggle, but now I get more older I get, more wise I get. 
I think that's, that's fair. I work with a lot of high school kids, and they, as a group, uh, don't think God cares about the little things in their life. And so I spend some time working on this. You guys apparently have it all figured out that way, so that's awesome. But I'll just share some of the things that I share with them. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares. Again, we look at the Greek, and all means all, right? So if, if it's all-encompassing, then I think he does care about, well, should I buy this shirt today? Or should I have chicken or hamburger at lunch or whatever it is? And honestly, uh, later I'll talk more about I think that's the place to start for us, is start with the simple things before you ask the big things or need the big things. In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and of a humble heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. He says, wait a minute, so um, I'll give you rest, but he also says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, how do we learn? Practice, fellowship, right? You've got to hear that voice. You've got to see him in action. We read the word because it tells us about his character and who he is and a lot of great guidance. But we, the more time we spend with him, the more we hear his voice, the more we do, the simpler it is to, to do this. And I'll, I'll use this example again, but how many of you, if you're in a room, a large room, and you hear a parent or you hear a spouse cough or laugh, you can pick them out of a room. Anybody? Right? I mean, I have been in stores, and my mother doesn't even live in this state, and I could swear my mother was in, in the store somewhere because I heard a laugh or a cough that was hers. Did you ever think about why? Right. You've spent years with your parents. You've spent years with a spouse or a friend, and so you know that. Well, the same is true with God. The longer we walk with God, the more we talk with God, the easier it is for us to distinguish his voice from last night's pizza. So, you know, because sometimes you're like, you hear, I don't know about you, but you hear some things and I'm like, oh, that couldn't have been God. That must have been me. I really think it's important for us to understand he cares about every little aspect of our life. Okay, so I want to wrap up with a little bit of prayer and then uh, I'll give you a little bit of homework and we'll move on from here. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to kind of dig into this a little bit, to look, the fact, look at some facts that you do speak to us. You do work through the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we're grateful that you've sent the Comforter to, to, um, to be with us and instruct us and to guide us in all things. Help us to remember you in all that we do and to, to put our focus on you first and not just what we do. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, at least in my life, it's really simple and easy to just kind of live your day. How much of what we do, do we do every day is autopilot or habit, right? We get up and we make coffee or whatever we like in the morning and we make breakfast and we get out the door and we go to work. Habits are a beautiful thing because habits allow us to exist. Can you imagine if you had to think deeply and intently about everything you did for your life every day? I think we'd be exhausted by 10 a.m. So the fact that we have habits, I think, is built in by God and into our design. So I want to encourage you this week, like I said, I gotta give you a little bit of homework because that's, that's what I do. Uh, I want to help you start a new habit. And that habit is asking God questions. So what I would encourage you to do, they say, uh, psychologists tell us it's roughly 21 days to start a new habit. So we won't get it all done this week because we can't do that. Uh, but ask God questions. Uh, if you need, set yourself a reminder on your phone. Put a reminder in your bathroom, on the, tape it on the mirror maybe, and just say, what can I ask God about today? And it doesn't have to be enormous. It doesn't have to be large. But try doing that for seven days and see what happens. 
just see if all of a sudden God starts to speak to you. Because some of the things we'll start to get into is how does he speak to us, right? Through the Holy Spirit. We hear it in here. But will God confirm some of these things, especially bigger decisions? I don't know about you, but if it's chicken versus beef or whatever we're having at lunch, you know, you want the rice versus the pasta, I don't know. I'm not too worried if I make a mistake there. But I'm a little more concerned if I take the wrong job. Or, you know, anybody ever buy a lemon? You buy a car and it just turns out to be an absolute disaster, right? We want to avoid those types of things. It's not that God can't fix it, but we want to walk past that. And so I think that's um, the types of things that he can really help us and guide us and make our life a lot smoother and easier in many cases. Because he's already told us that um, there will be challenges in the world, but he's overcome the world. So in my belief, this is one of the ways that he does that. So thank you all very much. I appreciate you coming today, and we'll pick this up again uh, next Sunday. Mm -hmm.